0: Orbital Gardens, this is Mission Control. We are confirming acquisition of your signal. You are live in 5, 4, 3, 2... Hello and welcome to episode 49 of Gardeners of the Galaxy, the podcast for all of the sentient beings in the universe who have a passion for plants. I am Emma the Space Gardener and I will be your host as we explore gardening on Earth and beyond... When Alan Shepard became the first American in space in May 1961, he launched in a wet spacesuit. With his trip scheduled to last around 15 minutes, NASA had made no provisions for him to relieve himself. However, after more than four hours sitting on the launch pad, Shepard had to go. As getting out of his seat would have caused more delays, Mission Control gave him permission to pee in his suit. When he did so, the liquid shorted out his biomonitors. It seems as though the space agency could have learned something from kindergarten students, whose first question about space is usually, how do astronauts go to the toilet? Since those early days when we were boldly going where no one had gone before, NASA has come up with increasingly sophisticated ways to deal with that fundamental human need, including urine collection devices, maximum absorbency garments and space toilets. A topic less frequently covered is what happens to human waste once it has been deposited in the collection device. For short-duration missions, the solution to urine disposal has always been to jettison it through an airlock. This results in a sparkly light show as it freezes into small crystals. While researching this episode, I found an article in Popular Science with a wonderful title. Space Shuttle Unleashes Magnificent Plume of Pea. Apparently, in 2009, Space Shuttle Discovery jettisoned 150 pounds of urine and wastewater after undocking from the space station. Stargazers were flummoxed by the bright light trail across the sky until NASA confirmed its origin. But on the International Space Station, every drop of water is precious. In 2020, NASA delivered a new space toilet. It has a fancy NASA name, an acronym, of course, the Universal Waste Management System. The UWMS is part of a water reclamation system on the ISS that recovers 90% of water and turns it back into drinking water. So today's coffee is yesterday's pee and sweat. It's always fun to take a peek into spaceflight history, but you may well be wondering what any of this has to do with space plants. And the answer, of course, is life support systems. Science fiction often glosses over the mechanics of maintaining life in space. However, sometimes you catch glimpses of fancy life support systems that use plants to recycle waste products into food and oxygen for the crew. Scientists have been working on these biological life support systems since the beginning of the space age, but we don't even have a prototype yet. It turns out it's really quite hard to design a miniature ecosystem that can reliably support an astronaut. But that's not stopping people from trying, and on the 3rd of December 2018, a particularly ambitious project from the German Space Agency launched on a year-long space mission. Eucropis was a satellite equipped with two greenhouses designed to grow tomatoes at gravity levels equivalent to those found on the Moon and Mars. But this wasn't just a straightforward mission to grow plants in space. I'll tell you more about that in a second or two, but I'd like to take a moment to thank my Gardeners of the Galaxy boosters. Each spaceship needs fuel to stay in orbit, and Gardeners of the Galaxy is no exception. My rocket boosters support the show financially, and there are several ways to do that. Just as important are my signal boosters, who help me expand the Gardeners of the Galaxy community by following me on social media and liking, sharing my posts, or by leaving reviews in their podcast apps. You can find out more about becoming a booster by visiting theunconventionalgardener.com forward slash boosters. EU-CROPPIS is an acronym for Euglena gracilis, Combined Regenerative Organic Food Production in Space. And to make things even more confusing, it was the name for both the whole satellite and for one of the four experiments on board. In many ways, the entire EU CROPIS project was a technology demonstration mission. It was the German space agency, the DLRs, first test of a lightweight, compact satellite designed for cost-effective space missions. One of the experiments on the satellite was called SCORE, which stands for Scalable Onboard Computing Experiment Computer. SCORE was the first onboard computer developed by the DLR and the first test for their compact onboard computer concept. On EUCROPUS, its job was to carry out the image processing for the external cameras that checked whether the solar panels deployed correctly. SCORE worked reliably during the year-long mission. Another experiment on the satellite was radiation measurement in space, known as RAMIS. RAMIS was developed at the DLR's Institute of Aerospace Medicine, which built two identical radiation detectors. One was mounted at the top of the satellite with minimal shielding. The other was mounted as a sensor for the primary payload to give scientists the radiation doses on the biological samples. Ramis had two main aims. Throughout the mission, Ramis measured changes in Earth's outer radiation belt which is mainly populated by electrons and the variation of galactic cosmic rays as a function of orbital position and the shielding provided by Earth's magnetic field. The recorded data is very valuable for verifying radiation belt models. Experiment 3 gets us a bit closer to life support, it's an in-situ resource utilisation project about learning to make what we need in space from what we can find there. This was the first test flight for NASA's PowerCell project. The project aims to use genetic engineering and synthetic biology to develop mini-ecologies of microbes that combine to make useful products. On EU Cropis, the PowerCell payload used cyanobacteria to produce sucrose, which is what you'd find in your sugar bowl. The sucrose then fed Bacillus subtilis, which is a robust bacterium commonly found in soil and the gut. Previous experiments have shown that Bacillus subtilis can withstand the space environment in its spore form. Powercell had three main aims. Firstly, evaluating the microecology concept under non-terrestrial gravity environments. Secondly, conducting synthetic biology remotely in outer space. The basic technique for introducing genetic material into a living cell Transformation, it involves the transfer across a cells encasing membrane of molecules carrying genetic information. The power cell payload explored how reduced gravity levels affect transformation processes. And thirdly, testing protein production under different gravity regimes. The research team engineered the bacteria to produce several proteins. As proteins are the building blocks of a range of critical substances, from food and vaccines to building materials, making proteins in space will be fundamental for human exploration. And during its time in space, the bacteria in the power cell experiment successfully created biological matter, demonstrating that they could also do so on the Moon or Mars. Okay, so we've got a little bit of a space ecosystem going on in the power cell experiment, but what we really want to see is the space tomatoes, so let's learn a bit more about the EU Cropis experiment. I've mentioned that the EU CROPIS satellite was designed to test two different levels of gravity, Mars and Moon. It accomplished that feat by spinning at different speeds. So it spent the first six months spinning slowly for Moon gravity and then six months spinning slightly faster for Mars gravity. The biological payloads, PowerCell and the Tomato experiment were housed inside a pressure vessel to maintain an atmosphere. One of the key features of the is experiment was the CROP filter. Again, CROP stands for Combined Regenerative Organic Food Production and the CROP filter is a biological trickle filter designed to turn urine into plant fertiliser. In essence, the CROP filter is a liquid compost heap that takes the urea from human urine and turns it into the nitrate that plants need. Various earth microorganisms carry out that process. The crop filter contains small particles of porous lava rock, which gives those microorganisms plenty of places to settle down. The microbes get to work as the urine passes through the lava stones. Tests on the ground showed that the process works well, although it doesn't produce a balanced fertilizer. It also doesn't remove the salt from human urine, so salt would build up in a closed system over time. Some plants are more salt-tolerant than others, and the boffins at the DLR suggested that the Galapagos tomato, Lycopersican chismanii, is a particularly salt-tolerant edible. It's worth noting at this point that the team are also developing what they call Big Crop, which is a system to process liquid farm manure here on Earth into fertiliser. That would take a waste problem and turn it into a valuable commodity, which is what closed-loop systems are all about. Anyway, back to the space tomatoes. You probably know that the urea in urine quickly breaks down into ammonia. Ammonia is toxic to plants, and the microbes in the crop filter don't process urine quickly enough to stop that from happening. So there's a second organism involved in this little tomato life support system. That's a green alga called Euglena gracilis. Its natural habitat is ponds and lakes all over planet Earth. It's known to swim towards the light it needs for photosynthesis, and away from light it finds too bright. It's also used as a model organism to study gravity perception in single cells. As it goes into a dormant state in unfavourable conditions, it's perfect for spaceflight experiments and has been used in model ecosystems on satellites before. Its superpower in EU Cropis is its ability to metabolise ammonia, preventing a toxic build-up. It also produces oxygen, which the tomatoes will need. So once the eu is satellite reached its orbit, the flight team successfully set it up to spin for moon gravity conditions, and the microbes all got to work, producing the life support system for the tomatoes. The tomatoes themselves were a very small variety called Microtina. Sent as seeds, they would remain dormant until the life support system was up and running, at which point irrigation would allow them to germinate and experience life in a space greenhouse. And everything went swimmingly up until that point. But in January 2019, a regular software update caused problems communicating with the greenhouses. They transitioned into safe mode. Although the engineers tried everything they could think of, they couldn't restore communications. So the greenhouses were never watered, and the tomatoes never grew. So the DLR built a compact satellite and its first on-board computer, EU Cropos was successfully launched, the RAMIS detectors did their thing, NASA's PowerCell experiment was a success, and the Tomato life support system worked to treat. The only thing that failed was the flagship Tomato experiment. That's disappointing, but the experiment team learned a lot from the experience, and hopefully they'll try again in the future. In the meantime, we've recently seen tomatoes grow in x roots on the International Space Station, and NASA has just launched the VEGO 5 experiment that will grow tomatoes in veggie. So if that goes according to plan, the crew of the International Space Station will get their first taste of space-grown tomatoes, but they'll be grown using fertiliser made on Earth. That's it for this episode. I'll be back next month with Amy Paddle from the Fairchild Tropical Botanic Garden. We're talking about Growing Beyond Earth, the education program in which schoolchildren contribute to NASA's space plants research. Thanks again to my boosters for supporting the show. Don't forget you can sign up for the Gardens of the Galaxy newsletter for new episode alerts and bonus Astro Botany content. And if you're thinking about moving on from Twitter or have already made the jump to Mastodon, you can find me there as at orbitalgardens at Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Orbital Gardens, this is Mission Control. We are confirming termination of your signal. Unfortunately, we have also lost your movie requests, so we have picked you The Martian and Frozen. Uplink commencing now. Mission Control out.